Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Halden. We and Benjamin Halden. <laughs> <Still> Today, <funny. laughs> we are at the My Protein Studios and this episode is kindly sponsored by My Protein. You can shop all of my protein products that we have here today, including the Clearway Isolate, some of the crispy bars and my protein bars, because everybody knows that you are not getting enough protein in your day and you will need to pick some of these bars or take with you on your travels. The code you can use is not so fit and that will give you some hella crazy discount. In 2019, Ian went for a medical trial where he was getting paid to do this trial and it was on his brain. And they actually found he had terminal brain cancer. And without that trial, he would have never known. He is now known across a lot of social media platforms as the king of chemo, racking up millions of followers across the platforms in order to raise money. He's actually trying to break a record for the most amount of money made for a charity whilst running the marathon. Ian was told that he had five years to live, which in retrospect to where we are and currently are today, he has now three years to live and the rest of his life. His positive outlook and his extreme enthusiasm for the things that he does are just a beacon of light amongst what is going on in life at the moment and his philosophy on death and challenge and mm-hmm. pain and adversity is something that I think a lot of people from today's conversation can take away and apply to life even in the smallest of things that we worry about. Enjoy today's episode, guys. Ian, do you think about death? No, not a huge amount. And podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> the, the reason why I asked this, and I've had a few people speak about this topic recently and a lot in the self-development space, and there's a bit of research on this as well that concluded that um, we think of death often as depressing, but the reality is that when we think about death, it actually often elevates our mood and makes us happier and healthier which is much to do with allowing our minds to stretch to the point of understanding that the word is bigger than our little problems today. And suddenly a moment in time that is hard is put into perspective. And we start to think about what really matters in our lives. So I think a lot of people who tend to to think about death sometimes can end up happier and healthier rather than seeing it as being depressive. Now, it'd obviously be understandable if it's something that you thought about just due to the the journey you've been on. So I was curious to whether... it kind of crops up in, in your minds that you're thinking very often? Um, no, I think I don't think about death very much because I just see it as a light switch. It's on, life is on, and then it's off. And it's neither uh, sad nor nor happy. It's just, it's not there anymore. So, like, um, I don't think about it because I sort of think of it as as an, as nothing. Uh, when I, If I was to think about death, I would be thinking about... Um, uh, other people uh, in in my life, so I would be thinking, uh, like I, I I have a dog, and so I'd be looking at my dog, thinking like, God, I don't want you to die, but mm-hmm. in a way that mo- other that also means that I probably uh, will live 
to a certain age, which I kind of want. So it's like in a weird sort of backwards way, it's like I want to like bury you at some point. Mm-hmm. The same thing from uh, my parents. We have an ongoing joke with each other where it's like, um, uh, who's going to die first? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> well, sorry, not parents, just my mom and I. Mm-hmm. We've discussed like um, what's going into the funerals, and they they don't they don't like mine. What are your plans? Oh, I want to my uh, my funeral is um, I'm the theme, so you have to come uh, dressed uh, as me in whatever way you want to interpret that, and uh, no one is allowed into wherever the service is being conducted. I'm gonna hire a bouncer to be like I don't care who comes in, like whether it's my parents, whether it's like you know uh, like a wife. I don't have a wife, but like you know what, whatever yeah. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If I have kids, like if they're not dressed like me and if they're not uh, ready to do it, piss off. You're not welcome. <laughs> this funeral. I bore him in my room. <laughs> well, you bored him. You're boring him now with like you know he's not even alive. So like out you go. You're not allowed in unless you're here to have uh, a fun funeral. And what's the funeral song? Uh, gay bar. I want. Uh, I want a big, big, huge like someone who uses a lot of my protein and is massive, oiled up, putting me in and out of the uh, the furnace um, to the theme of gay bar. That's fantastic. And he has to be gay as well. Okay. Yeah. Very gay. No bisexuals allowed. <laughs> <laughs> any, any thought on what this individual looks like? Uh, oh, handsome. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Is, are you taking applicants for that or? Um, no, no, no. no I, I want that to be a surprise. Okay. Yeah. Why the crown? Um, so I adopted the name uh, King of Chemo. Uh, just because one of my friends would use, uh, well, all of my friends, we kind of make fun of king of insert whatever thing, and we'd always be just saying it where it's like, you know, uh, um, do you want a pint? Nah, I'll just have the water. It's like, ah, you will go on. No, no, I am the king of pints of water. Like, just insert anything <laughs> yeah. like that. And like, uh, the, me and the boys would make jokes about that. So, um, I don't know if I asked them, like, what's a good username or if it just sort of came up in conversation where I was like, ah, yeah, so you're a social media wanker now. You're the, you're the, what are you, the king of chemo? And then it was like, oh. that kind of has a ring to it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's where it came around. And then, obviously, I've got to promote myself at every opportunity and help remind people that that's the username. So, yeah, where the uh, stupid prop. I love it. Yeah, it's very handy. It you with your long handy. hair would actually benefit from having a crown around the house because when yeah. you're drying it after uh, things, yeah. you find that it's annoying. To it's, every, it's everywhere. Yeah, you want your hair out your face at all possible opportunities. It's fantastic. Mul- I'll multi-purpose, get yeah. Yep. Queen. You don't, want, you don't need one of those. So, uh... <laughs> but it's handy, though. Do you think your attitude in general and your outlook on life has helped you deal with the, the news that you had those years ago? In some regards, yeah, because uh, I, I'm fairly good at seeing uh, silver linings and things. And so when I got cancer, I sort of saw, all right, well, um, this is a bad thing. But as you know, from not your own personal experience, but like seeing what other people have done in a similar situation, this is an opportunity if you, if you choose to take it. So it's like you don't have to take the opportunity, but it's there to grab if you want to go for it. And then so I went for it. We spoke about this before, about how often negative experiences create opportunity for people just without people actually seeing it. Because when we are pulled into or when we diverge into negative experiences, then 
often our, our mindset and the way that we think is massively skewed by that. And our perception of life is very different because instead of having context and being able to stand back from it, we're very upfront and faced with the problem, which means our decision-making is somewhat different to what it might be. And I think going through those, and we spoke about this before, going through hardship and pain and discomfort, whether that be deliberate or not, it definitely changes people and, and gives them a different perspective on life. And I think one of the things that, that you've definitely been able to do is through that is create opportunity to be a beacon of light to other people, especially for even, even if it's nothing to do with cancer. I think I have a couple of mornings, I think it was a while ago seeing some of your stuff and I'm sure this relates to a lot of people. You know, when you just wake up and you have one of those mornings where you're anxious about nothing or you're stressed about nothing at all. And then I think I saw one of your videos and it was just a screamer on a hilltop or something somewhere. That's my MO. Yeah, and I was like, what the, what the fuck am I worried about or, th or thinking about here? And I think what it allows, well, from speaking about past experiences, being able to have perspective on life. And I think even if it doesn't directly, which it is, impacting research or those who have had news, whether it would be them or family with cancer. I think it helps a lot of people just with mindset and focus and having perspective on life, which I think is a is such a massive thing that's benefited from such a, a negative situation. Um, not that I came up with the, the idea of it, but I, I read Malcolm Gladwell's book called um, David and Goliath, and it's basically just about um, how disadvantages uh, often leads to advantages later on in life. And some of it was really bleak where it was like, um, I think it's something like 20% of all uh, prime ministers uh, in the UK at, have had like a, a, a parental loss before the age of 16. And like 20% is a big, yeah. big number. But it kind of makes sense when you start to think about what that meant. Because like... Um, if ever you've met like uh, young people and they just seem so much more mature, there's often something that like, you know, yeah, well, like my, my father died and I have two sisters. So like I kind of uh, had to start acting like a lot more mature because it was sort of my family duty to to guide them. Or like when you see, um, I can't remember who did the, uh, the documentary, but they were doing it about like uh, British soldiers that were going over to Afghanistan and they had one guy who was like 18 years of age and then he came uh, when he was on his tour uh, back, they were like, oh my God, is that like Darren? Is that Will? Uh, whatever the guy's name was. And they went over was like, Will, you look so much older. And it was only like a year in the difference and then they showed uh, like a photograph of him before the war and afterwards. And he did look, it wasn't just like, you know, oh, he's been out in the sun a lot more in Afghanistan. He looks fitter. He looks like, you know, more muscular. He looks thinner. He didn't get fed well. It was like he did just look like he had aged so much. And I'm sure that that's probably down to the fact that there's training for a war and it is actually being out into it. And I think they've done uh, the same thing with uh, pre pre photographs of um, like people that went through World War II and like how much different they looked physically mm -hmm. afterwards, um, ignoring, you know, scars and um, yeah. that sort of thing. So um, in a way, I think the fact that I'd read that book before I had uh, come up to this uh, situation, I kind of saw it as, because um, I've always had a, a curiosity about World War II and general history of war where it's like, I wonder, you know, 
who I'd be in that situation. Mm -hmm. Would I be the person who's like, you know, walking around the beach looking for their hand? Would I be the person who's able to maintain their composure and like, you know, just sending orders around? Am I the person who's in a, uh, a crater, like uh, cradling their, their knees? And it's sort of, I saw this as like, all right, this is your D-Day. This is, you know, your Operation Overlord. What is what are you going to do with this? And then so I kind of took it like that. All right, well, if I'm the protagonist in my own film, what would I want to do? I'm also the writer. So um, that's what I would want uh, my character to do. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like I'm directing myself. Would you be able to take us back to 2019? To World War Two. Yeah, so World <laughs> War Two. I think it was 2019 where I'll, I'll obviously let you tell your story mm -hmm. just for the listeners who might be thinking oh i need i need to know what happened so if you can give us a bit of background from 2019 yep so uh, uh i was um doing guinea, uh, human guinea pig trials for for cash for money <laughs> for sweet delicious money and uh due to the nature of my work because i was uh, doing freelance i was doing fitness classes uh, there would uh, sometimes be places where are times where it's like okay we don't have you on a regular schedule anymore so um uh, throughout the, like maybe once a year I would do a human uh, research trial and one of them involved uh, uh, something to do with uh, a drug that was excuse me going to be affecting the head so they are always very very careful very meticulous with making sure that um, people don't die from these uh, human research trials everybody most people who I've spoken to about it has been like you know I would never risk like that much uh, for doing this uh, sort of thing it's like you think that but then yeah. when you start seeing how much testing they've done before it actually gets to a human trial and how much money they throw at you it's like okay maybe i will do yeah. it maybe i'll do a little bit of this how much money are we talking about for some of the tests oh like two grand for like going in uh, i did one where it was like a, a new form of um paracetamol so the chances of it like causing any kind of problem seems unbelievably low and then uh, over to uh, over two thousand pounds, and the amount of work involves uh, you. You come in. I think we stayed one night, and then um, in the morning they gave us this um, uh, the paracetamol, and then they uh, they gave us a fake fever by giving like a dead bacteria, so that our body would detect it as oh, there's bacteria. Put the body into a fever, mm. and then. Um, Afterwards, the body's able to analyze the bacteria more and like, okay, this is dead bacteria, false alarm, calm the fever down. And then because that's your body's defense against um, uh, infections. And then so uh, that was unpleasant, um, but we knew that it was going to, to end. And then so like at the end of the night, I think we stayed one more night. And then the next day it was like, okay, cool. The money will be in your account within a week. And then so it's, it's the strong incentive to... Mm. Uh, to to do it, and I mean, if ever there was a further strong incentive, it li it has literally saved my life. Yeah. I probably would be dead now if uh, if I hadn't discovered the tumor before any um, symptoms. So anyway, I went in and they uh, gave a brain scan. They said, "All right, you you're not actually 100% um, fit and healthy. You you have a benign tumor up here in your uh, your left temporal." Uh, lobe and my first reaction was um okay so can i still do the trial and they were like <laughs> no uh so they di they diagnosed that there and then or they just said you have something that we've noticed yeah they uh, they wouldn't diagnose it they said you need to go in for uh, a okay. second scan 
And um, but when they were saying benign, I don't know how they're able to tell that from a singular scan. I would think that like a film that you need to look at something and then give it a little bit of time and then look at it again. Like a heartbeat involves time, whereas, you know, a a scan doesn't. But what uh, they must know, um, like that you and I could look at a photograph of a tree and be like, that tree's alive, that tree's dead. I'm sure uh, brain surgeons are the same with looking at um, tumors. My protein has a large range of product. And one of the biggest problems that most people have within their, their fitness journeys, lifting, running, is that they don't get enough protein within their diet. A big issue with this is even more so is that it's difficult when on the go to grab something and still get protein within your diet, which is where these layer protein bars and the crispy wafer bars come in. One of my favorites is the cookie filled bars, which are super tasty and are great in the microwave. Also, also clear way. If you're someone who yeah. does not like milkshakes or doesn't like things that taste dairy texture, you can also grab one of their hero products, which is the clear way isolate. Basically tastes like a juice. Very, very easy to take, taste, drink, and absolutely delicious. And we do have a crazy discount for you today. You can shop on my protein with the code not so fit and get some hella crazy discounts. The links will be in all the descriptions of wherever you are watching. Enjoy the rest of the show. And then with the second scan, however, uh, was a little bit delayed because of COVID. But again, I can think that like um, if they had done the scan very soon after the first one, there might not have shown any growth. And I might be in the same situation where they missed the point where it was growing, where they're able to say, okay, this is dangerous. We need to operate on this. We need to um, start giving you uh, chemotherapy because it's most likely due to its growth, uh, a cancerous thing. So um, I'll only be able to do those sort of what ifs if like, you know, we, the supercomputers take like, you know, mega control and we're able to like look back in the past through like, you know, ah, this gas moved here, which means that it moved there and, Yeah, so I don't, I'll never find out. So I can just sort of ponder. Did you have no symptoms? Because obviously you did fitness, worked in the fitness space, fit and healthy guy. Yep. No symptoms of a brain tumor? No, even further than that. um, So I didn't go uh, to, uh, it'd be on average about a year that I would do a medical trial. However, um, that year it was um, an exception because uh, I had time to do another trial but also uh, there was another opportunity for a trial because normally they're quite rare that you know um, okay we need um, someone within this age group uh, this gender this uh, level of um, health um, like you know we need we need smokers we need non-smokers so like it's often right. very yeah. specific for what they're looking for and uh, fit and healthy people they're not actually looking for a huge amount normally it's a specific problem that someone has like um, we need someone who has CBD or uh, not CBD um, uh, what's the uh, the cardiac problem where it's like you're, it's very struggle to breathe COPD that's it yeah Um so I wouldn't do a lot of trials. However, this one I did three months beforehand and they actually involved brain scans where it was like they put on the sort of like a thing that looks like a scrum cap and uh, they have these little nodes. They don't like uh, go into your um, skin or anything like that. They just sort of uh, detect uh, the brain waves through then, much like a cardiogram and they didn't detect anything. But they were saying wow. that like... Uh, Due to the size of the tumor, the first time they saw it, there's no way that I didn't have that tumor at the time of the um, 
the actual uh, medical examination. So they didn't see it even though they scanned my brain. That doesn't sound great at all from a medical perspective to miss something like that. Well, it's not about missing. It's just that you like um, if they were to do an X-ray on me, they wouldn't find it because that's oh. you know it's bone. It's not um, it's not like it's the the um, the only way that they would have been able to detect it is with an MRI. There's no other way to do it. There's no like change in my blood chemistry. There's no change in uh, my behavior. That's part of the reason why brain tumors are often so deadly. It's because they're so difficult to detect. Someone mm. has to come in and be like, I have a pounding headache. It's always in this exact location. Uh, I'm getting this, 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 and this. And because an MRI is extremely expensive to do, um, they'll do all sorts of other scams first. And then as the sort of the, the last resort, then they'll go to the MRI. Do you ever think about how different your life would be if you hadn't gone for that scan, not just from a, a physical perspective, but also from like a, a mindset, a pursuit of what you're doing now, well-being, career? Oh, a huge amount, especially seeing as how, uh, unfortunately, there's almost uh, an example of someone in a similar situation where uh, they were, they they got symptoms and it was... Um, and it's a real shame that I constantly forget this man's name because I bring it up in podcasts constantly. But it's almost like, you know, the way you have certain words that it's like your brain is like, nope, I'm not learning. <laughs> I do not care. I'm not going to learn it. But it's um, one of the guys from The Wanted. Uh, I think his name is Tom. Tom. Yeah, yeah that's it. And uh, similar age, like, you know, um, he, he seemed fit enough. He seemed like he'd, like, you know, go for runs on a regular basis or like he's not no stranger to the gym. Uh, he got symptoms, uh, however, and so he went in and uh, same sort of thing. Very different with his situation because he had a wife and I think two kids, so mm -hmm. I'd imagine his disposition would have been massively different to my own and would have been uh, far more worrying and far more... Um, saddening because he has he had symptoms and then also it's like sort of i've got to like what am i going to do about the, like i've got larger responsibilities where i didn't have uh, any sort of um uh legacy responsibilities of my own so it was almost like uh, i want to create one myself so very different um lives in some regard very similar lives in another regard and unfortunately he's no longer with us uh, so that's the kind of um the the difference that I often think about where it's like what what if I had not done the trial mm -hmm. and then it came to symptoms like would I no longer be on the earth as well? Yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting way to think about things and have perspective, isn't it, on what you're what you're doing, the mess that you're passing on now. But even that mm. that news is, I would imagine, everybody's biggest fear. It's it's probably what they're most scared of. But you've you've had that news now. You've digested it. What is your biggest fear? Hmm. I think probably realistically one of my biggest fears would be if there was like, because um, we live in a world of like serious cancel culture and same sort of thing where like, it's not just about sort of, um, I think people uh, sort of look at that at, at um a way in the way that's changing where it's like, oh, this person uh, is offended, therefore they're going to uh, shut you down. I think there's been a pushback against that. Yeah. Yeah. However, there still is um, 
a very strong amount of that from a corporate side where it's like, we can't work with you ever because uh, you made that uh, remark or you uh, you had that sort of a, 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 an opinion on something. And so I'd be worried about that because I have a really dark sense of humor. And I've even had it where it's like, you can't make cancer jokes. It's like, what the? Yes, I can. I am like the arbiter of the person who'd be able to, if anyone has like the rights to be able to say, that's not funny, you can't laugh at that. Yeah. I'm like one of the few people, in, yeah. well, not, well, not one of the few people, there's loads of us, but like that can actually say, no, you can't joke about that. But mm. um, nope, <laughs> there's still a few people that have said that I can't make fun of uh, cancer. So that'd be my biggest, uh, my honest biggest worry is that there's a slip up. And then it's like, I'm here kind of looking at myself in the mirror like, you fucking idiot. Like, mm -hmm. you had this opportunity to do that and you couldn't just uh, stop yakking in them with the sort of... Um, sort of... You couldn't let you, you couldn't tell your ego to keep a lid on it. And that's like, you had to try and be that sort of a free speech advocate where it's like, you're not a comedian. You're not like mm -hmm. this. So why, did, why, can, why didn't you just shut up? And now you're not able to do this thing because you couldn't like not make that dirty joke. Mm -hmm. So that would be my biggest fear. I think with, with just the way that you are in terms of, I mean, from the brief time that we've met each other and spoke, you've been very open with, with what you spoke about and the way that you present yourself. I think if you are pretty much like that all the time and you share the way that you feel, you share your character, your personality, I, I sometimes think it's quite difficult to be canceled because you've, like that Eminem rap battle where he goes into at the end and he tells him everything about his life and the way that he is and the way that he acts. No one can pull him up on anything he said because he's like, I've laid my cards on the table. You already know who I am. So there's nothing too much you could say that would create anything where people could cancel you. I think just with what you're doing as well, it's so it's so positive that you would always have, I've given this example before when we've been spoken about the negative comments. It's, it, I think from what we do as well, we spoke about this before with, when you're posting stuff on social media and you're opening yourself up to that floor of criticism, the human tendency is always to look at the negative first, just the way that we're built within our DNA, negativity bias, and we won't see all the positive comments. Our eyes will go straight to that fucking person shitting on you straight away, and it doesn't matter how many likes the post has had or, or whatever it is. And a lot of people who will agree with you will just float past yeah. certain things as well. And I like the analogy of if you were in a, a football stadium with like 100,000 people, even if you had 10% of them, like 10,000 people were booing you, you wouldn't be able to hear those over the 90,000 people who are cheering you. And yeah. sometimes that helps give me context of things because we all get those negative comments sometimes. It almost helps me deal with them because we do tend to just try and sieve out and look at those those little ones and get too caught up in them. I get very few negative um, comments. For me, it is it is more about like you know messing up and like having mm -hmm. a getting a TikTok ban. Or messing up and getting a same thing with a, with an Instagram ban. It's like no, you can't like because it's so sensitive uh, that I kind of think if I was to actually make uh, a joke, that it would like really get me. Because like even just yeah. like um, I had a, a live stream shut down before because uh, I had a pencil in my mouth from when I was like writing up. Um, like the irony is hilarious. If if it if this is the reason, um, I was just writing down on my notebook like, okay, uh, I did a hundred kilos today, so na 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 na, um, um, uh, like a, a log, a fitness log sort of thing, mm. a workout log, and then the next thing I looked at the camera was like, well, you your live stream has been uh, shut down because of like uh, n not you or use of um 
illegal products or substances. I was like, what the hell is it? Oh, no. Does, did it think that I was smoking something? Uh, and yeah. that's, I think it interpreted the pen as like a, a vape or something. <laughs> and so, again, like I know that's a robot doing that, but it still is like, hey, mm. can I peel this? And you're then talking to a robot yeah. because like, and that's nothing against the actual streaming services. TikTok has nearly like a billion users. They can't staff that amount of people that have like um, uh, to scan through and look through your videos and be like, ah, oh, yes, this is what was, um, this is a pencil. This is not like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a vape. And then um, I can't think of the, my example off the top of my head, um, but I know uh, one of my friends was telling me about, uh, she's a camera girl, camera woman, and um, she was saying about how she was talking to one of her friends, being like, oh yeah, cool, uh, well if you want we can do a shoot on Thursday, and already I think due to the setup of the story you know that it was shut down because it inver- in like shoot, Yeah, yeah. and it's like, ah, no, yeah. let's take it down, it's like, oh, for really God's sensitive. sake, come on, like, so um, mm. yeah, that's if those are just the general conversational slip ups and then versus if I was to say something mm-hmm. uh, that's like, nope, you cannot joke about that subject matter, regardless of if you have the disease yourself, that uh, I would be permanently banned from uh, TikTok or the same thing would happen with Instagram. And then that would have a, a sort of a rolling on effect of, yeah, this guy, he got completely taken down. It's like, why did he get taken down? Oh, well, I don't even care about like what the reason is. Like he must be doing something yeah. dodgy. Like he, he's been talking about how he's trying to raise money from, from getting followers, not direct donations. I bet he got banned because of this, mm-hmm. you know, because people. Conspiracies. People will like, yeah. yeah they have a lot to say, don't they? They'll think of things that they kind of like as a narrative often before actually doing the uh, the research themselves mm-hmm. or finding out themselves because it's efficient. It mm. requires a lot less time. I'm not going to pretend like I don't. I don't do it where it's like, oh, he got banned. Yeah, he deserves it. It was like, well, do you know why? Nope, don't care. Mm-hmm. I never liked the guy in the first place. So fuck him. Yeah, <laughs> it's easy to do that. You were just speaking then about a fitness log and fitness in general. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really important topic to talk about because you run miles and miles <laughs> and miles. You do a lot. You're physically very fit. And I was more so just curious thinking in terms of your, did you have chemo? Did you go through chemo? Are you still, oh, like, yeah. how are you on like a day-to-day basis in terms of, I guess, where you were before your diagnosis and where you are now and like the differences and just how you feel because you're so physically fit from obviously we see from Instagram and TikTok and things, but just from your perspective. Um, so during the chemotherapy, the fitness certainly did go uh, drop down a bit, strength dropped down a bit, um, not a huge amount. And then this was kind of, um, I think I was talking to you earlier on about this. I, I don't know what I, I, something happened last summer and it doesn't make sense chronologically with me finishing up with my radiotherapy and my chemotherapy because I'd finished it a fair few months beforehand Mm. and my uh, fitness was increasing and then I trained like rigorously throughout the uh, the summer I think I I ran like 200 miles in the month of September and um, 
And I was, I was being smart about it as well. Mm. Like, I, I went to St. Mary's and I studied sports science. So, like, I wasn't just like, you know, yes, David Goggins every day. <laughs> I like it. Go I'm going to run. I'm going to run 20,000 miles a day in the, in the blazing heat, in the freezing, yeah. like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Negative 2,500. Uh, like, he's different. He's not a human. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a robot. And uh, he's a motivational robot. Um, but so I was here to be like, okay, I'm going to try and do this much uh, every day. I'm going to, like, uh, okay, I'll run longer this time, shorter this day. And I got the, I got a lot of miles done. I got a lot of training done. And then, so um, I did the Edinburgh Marathon and that was sub four hours. And then I did the Dublin Marathon and the uh, London Marathon. And they were um, within the same month of October. So if one of them was to be a very poor time, you could pu- you could put that off as, yeah, okay, um, bad day. Mm. But when both of them were very bad times, it's like, okay, that's that's consistency uh of something bad and then the same sort of thing was like um i just couldn't um it wasn't like i was struggling to breathe but it was just like my god why am i getting so tired and i think it might have been that i had like a bout of covid okay but like one of the undetectable ones that and again like not a huge amount of symptoms i would walk around fine i wasn't like tired during the day it was only when it was really pushing the sort of uh, cardiovascular system that it was sort of um, uh, reaching a point that I couldn't get past. Now, mm-hmm. thankfully, that seems to have gone away now and uh, my training is uh, on the increase. Um, maybe a little bit of that might be due to... Um, I, I committed to doing uh, nasal breathing, if you've heard about yeah, that. Yeah, we spoke about that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah we yeah. did a podcast with a breath pod specialist. <laughs> we were sat there the whole podcast trying to stop breathing through our mouths. It was like, yeah, nasal breathing. Yeah. I wonder if I got like if that was a little bit easier for me because I've always been doing impressions of my dog on my dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. So do you is that what you do now when you're running yeah, when you're lifting it, it, everything? I now don't have to uh, like think about it. Now it's um if I start breathing through my mouth I'm like nope, the other mm. way is the other way is easier. If you're like uh, going for like a fast run so like if you're increasing the speed like you're trying to okay we got two miles left let's like put everything into it then it changes to okay it is more comfortable to breathe through the mouth but if you are kind of running at a pace where you couldn't have a a polite conversation but you could communicate with someone um almost as if like you were running with a pack and you'd have to like okay um next left we're going to we're going to turn or, okay, we're going to do this next, like short sort of mm-hmm. uh, military sort of uh, yeah, things. Yeah. If you're at that sort of where to be comfortable to have those sort of uh, um, uh, level of um, communication through the mouth, then it's it's more comfortable for me to just breathe through the nose. Just Relaxes you a bit more, doesn't it? Um, that might be a factor of it. Um, I definitely know uh, something that I benefited from a lot was that uh, I was getting quite a lot of pain in my uh, shoulder. And the trick, um, I think anyone who's really into running might either remember this or um, or hopefully there might be five people listening to this being like, oh my fucking God, that changes everything. Yeah. But it's like holding the crackers. You ever heard that one before? I, yeah, I've heard of holding the crisps. Yeah, holding yeah. the crisps where it's like uh, it just uh, eases off the t- the um, the tension of your shoulders because um, mm. uh, here's a good one. Um, squeeze your hand without flexing your bicep. Yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> I was like, no, I, no, you can't. Yeah, so it's like because the, uh, the way our nerves work is that your, uh, your muscles have to tense up to get to the end. So if you squeeze that, this yeah, yeah. like... 
your forearm. Everyone's gonna be sat at home yeah. going, oh, please, oh. <laughs> squeezing. Someone's there on like the underground yeah. and like squeezing their phone <laughs> while poking away at their forearm. Yeah, 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 yeah the, um, the way the nerves work is that you can't get to the, uh, the end without going the whole way through. They're not separate, so um, that's why it's the the pinch the uh, the crisps yes. thing. Because if you do that, it's sort of it's like a, a mental way of uh, letting the shoulders relax. And then that's the other one is um, you get uh, I get the pain in my rhomboids, um, the sort of pinch feeling in my shoulders, and it is not due to uh, a lack of or it's not due to like stretching out the uh, the back. It's due to the chest being tight, which pretty much everybody suffers from from just yeah. desk work from being on laptops um also like if you're going to the gym it's um for men anyway we tend to be far more you just like, want a bang chest every day yeah huh? you just want a bang chest every day when you're uh, 16 just, to 18 you're going to go and hit the bench press that's bench where, press bench yeah. press what what are squats i don't yeah. know bench press <laughs> so um yeah it's like we kind of tend to be more for, focused on like you know the pushing mm-hmm. move motion more than the uh the pulling one which uh, creates a little bit of an, an imbalance and then when you add that on to the desk work it's the same thing with the um uh, the hip flexors where it's like we sit down and it's um sort of it makes the hip flexors tight so um i can't remember what the the question was to begin with but that's it's just about fitness in general but i think oh, yeah, you you yeah. absolutely nailed it that's up yeah perfect well i haven't broken records yet so i wouldn't say i've nailed it <laughs> speaking of records you want to raise the most money for a marathon run yep talk about that so uh i've actually met the guy who holds the record uh, Have you? Yeah, yeah, Does yes. he know you're after the record? Of course, break? yeah, yeah, yeah. You sat down. You, um, so do you know the? If you you might not know the charity Oasis. You might, but you probably recognise the uh, the charity shops. Mm-hmm. Look around from now, and you'll uh, okay. you'll notice more now that's yeah. in your sort of your, um, your your head to look out for. But uh, so Oasis is his charity, and um, uh, he won his marathon back in two thousand and eight, maybe two thousand and nine. And we were sitting down, and uh, his his method for doing it is is completely different to to mine. So um, I wasn't able to sort of get much advice from him, but it was still just an interesting conversation. And he was kind of saying like afterwards, like, oh yeah. Like, if you break the marathon, I'm going to have to break it back. And it was like, yeah, 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 you will. <laughs> and then I'm going to have to break it again. So, um, yeah, Steve Chalk, he's a great man. And um, uh, his, his method, because it was back, like, in the um, uh, late 2000s, it was totally different to mine, which was to uh, break the world record through uh, attracting uh, followers over social media, follow the king of chemo on Instagram, TikTok, blah, 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 like and subscribe. And then um, through that, then attract sponsors because it's um, advertising. It's an mm-hmm. advertising platform. You've got a million followers. So now um, if you make a video promoting my protein, then it's like we'll give you X amount of money to... Uh, exchange uh, a reasonable trade for um, the advertising platform that you've now created for yourself. And so the the big thing that is sort of different to other people is that even though I'm asking for, um, I'm trying to break a world record for, for charity, I ask my followers not to donate. They can if they want. There's mm-hmm. links there in the bio and whatnot. But um, that's not the most important thing. So when Often people get really frustrated with that because it's like, I don't have any money, but I want to help. Or like, or the other way around where it's like, I want to donate. It's like, no, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you follow just the channel. Follow. Would, yeah. you, would you almost consider yourself, I don't just connecting the dots then. Have you ever considered yourself like the Robin Hood of of the charity fundraising? Um, 
No, because that involves theft. I don't mean in that perspective, but what you're trying to do is is get money from the big corporate companies who have the money to yeah. be able to donate to charities, not from the people who potentially don't have as much to give. Um, no, because again, the um, the system is because uh, it's it's still not sort of I'm getting the money from uh, larger um, corporations because I'm still like trading with them. It still is. They get a platform. Mm -hmm. They get to advertise um, uh, off of uh, my channel, which is 100% what it's all about. And then uh, so it's I'm still earning the money. It's just I'm choosing to mm -hmm. um, throw it somewhere else. I don't think it's a negative perspective. Oh, no, it's certainly not. It's certainly not. It's just I think that because Robin Hood does certain things. I can, I can see that sort of the idea of it where it's like, I'm getting the man yeah. in, the, in the big chair to pay for it, not you little guys. Mm. I want to take you back to before where you were talking about, I think it was a quote around politicians in the 20% um, of had Oh, the prime ministers. Yeah. Parents, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, David and Goliath with the Michael. Oh, I can't think of the author's name at the moment. Yeah. The, there's often this perception of, of people obviously born into privilege. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell was the author. There you yeah. go. Sorry, go on. Of, of privilege will have this platform and this uh, foundation to be able to springboard off and into whatever pursuit it may be. But then there's also the the theory looking at people who've been through hardship and pain will have almost a different type of privilege that those people will never ha have. Almost that wolf who's climbing the hill who's hungrier, mm. wants it more there's the person sitting on top of the hill. I think it was Jordan Peterson, your, your, your favorite man. My boy. Who <laughs> <laughs> was, was talking about, and we spoke about this before, that an experiment of, I think it's classed as reward versus pain or reward versus, I can't remember what the motivator was. And it was done with rats anyway, one where they had the rats fitted, I think with a, like a pulley system to measure the amount of pull that would give uh, and uh, on one side of the experiment, they had the smell of cheese put in front of them so that the rat would run towards the cheese. Okay, they, so this one's hard. This yeah, one's... Me measured the pull. Yeah. And then they would have the next part of the experiment would be where they'd waft in the scent of a cat. So that's the, the sort of pain, the fear, yeah. pain and pleasure, the fear, and see what the pull was. And it was always more with pull and with uh, with pain, sorry. And there's always, this, there's always an element in life which is our motivator where we have a push and a pull element. What I'm trying to get is what what do you think propels you forward in what your your big quest and your big target is the moment? Would you say it's more balanced towards the pleasure of helping lots of other people, or do you think it's equally balanced with well, I suppose my pain point is is time and, and time is of the essence? Um I think it's it's more it's definitely more of a uh, an achievement based thing. Um now this is going slightly off, but um just um uh, I actually do that mentally when I'm running. Um, and I think uh, I got this advice from Joe Rogan, which is it's cheesy, but it works, where uh, I think he was doing something with kettlebells and he was going on about how uh, what he thinks of when he's uh, doing the kettlebells. You can apply it with anything. It doesn't mm. necessarily have to make sense. But uh, he literally thinks about, like, because his kettlebells have, like, monkeys on, yeah, uh, on his thing. So he yeah, thinks yeah. about, like, a, a chimpanzee chasing him and uh, attacking him, and he's got to, like, run away. And it, it bloody well works. Because yeah. like, I think of this, the thing that I think about is is either like uh, running from something or um, something that naturally comes up quite a lot is because I go running with my dog 
and often there'll be someone who's like you know on their phone on a scooter and like you know something like that or, or like cycling along a pathway and they nearly hit the dog and then I just sort of think to myself like you know my god what <sighs> the fuck would I do if they did that and then like the blood starts boiling and then before I know it's like oh I'm going faster than I should <laughs> which yeah. is like handy to have when you start sort of um uh, when it's useful, like, you know, two miles to the, the finish line, it's mm-hmm. handy to start thinking of, like, you know, Pat's probably my... <laughs> <laughs> You're always that, getting up. That's about my the dogs. heart rate increasing. That's literally my watch going off because I was actually thinking about if someone had run into my dog and which I'd rip their flesh off. Hey, I'm just going to stop this podcast. There are 35% of you who listen on a weekly basis but aren't subscribed to the Not So Fit Couple podcast. And you need to subscribe because it helps the podcast a lot in terms of who we can get on, who you request and what guests and where we can film. Wherever you are listening or watching this episode, if you've taken any value from any of the episodes that you've listened to this year, make sure that you please subscribe to the channel and make sure that you share it and tell your friends. Back to the episode. And so, as you can see, it is actually useful to be able to start thinking yourself into that uh, mentality at certain points. And um, some of them can be scary, some of them can be negative, some of them can be like, you know, what would you do if someone was like about to attack you? Or some of them can be positive. And uh, <laughs> something that I do is I imagine that I am uh, one of the wingers on the uh, <laughs> the National Irish Rugby Team, and that's the World Cup. And I've been doing this for years, but like, uh, go on, Mac Hansen, I look like you. <laughs> do it for us on the uh, the 28th of October which is annoying for me because the 29th is the Dublin Marathon so uh, I will be doing that hungover <laughs> guarantee a challenge within its own self yeah absolutely but uh, to go back to uh, the sort of the motivator outside of the actual um, run itself um, I definitely don't have um, a fear or, or an aggression uh, motivator to get me out of the bed it's, uh, it's definitely like um it's uh, and it's not a, a selfless thing. It's the complete opposite. It's a complete selfish um, motivation where I, I I see it as like an achievement. Hence, why it's not just I'm raising a million quid for uh, for charity. My target is the um, the world record. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, I want to achieve that. And it is a, a it's a selfish thing. It's a like it's a, an achievement that I want to do to push myself. Um, uh, because I, like I know this sounds a bit morbid, but uh, I kind of have a belief that um, human beings can care uh, that we do care about each other. But like there's a there's a very thin or very small limit to that, uh, and that's just because like our brains are so complicated that we can barely get by with understanding our own at times. So the idea that you can have such an amount of empathy that you can completely understand what someone is feeling is just it's just beyond what I think we're capable mm-hmm. as a species. And that can be simplified by saying most people don't really care. Mm. And that sounds bleak, but I think if you accept that, you can then start sort of um, trying to care about yourself. And so I care about um, knowing myself. Now, I could do that with any sort of thing. I could be like, how many you know props can we put up as a Jenga pile? Um, who, who can have the world record for that? But I don't think that has much meaning. So um, the charity thing does have meaning. So that's why I do it for charity. But I'm not going to try and pretend to be one of those people where it's like, I'm doing it for the kids, man. Look at me. I'm I so good as a human being. Mm-hmm. Come home and like sleep with me because I'm so nice. Like you know, or come home and like you know, give me give me loads of money and praise because I'm so nice. I hate that shit. So 
Um, even though what I'm doing is something that's good for the planet, it's ooh, except that <laughs> that's not very good for the planet. Um, that is, uh, it's not what my uh, my goal is. My goal is something that comes from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it? I don't know. I'm going to word this question the correct way. So people, humans, as a species, um, we sometimes go through this thing of like we're moody or we're lazy or we complain about the smallest little things in general. Does that ever piss you off just in terms of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and you're waking up, you're doing these amazing things, you have a brain tumour. Does it ever annoy you when you see these other, maybe not insignificant to them, but quite like small issues uh, I try to word that in the best way possible. Yeah, no, I think no, you I get can what completely I mean. understand what you're, you're coming from. Um, yes, yeah, so I definitely since, um, not so much since the cancer, but I think just with age more than anything else, I'm getting a shorter fuse for uh, for whinging hmm. because I just can't stand it, especially when it's like when you have to sit down with a person who's uh, getting angry over something and it's like, okay, before we go any further, is this argument worth it? That's like, this is an argument over, like, um, I'll give you a simple example. Uh, I'm not going to name the people, but I was getting given out to because water was on the ground. And I was here like, is this argument really worth it? This isn't even spilt milk. It's spilt water. And it's like, like, it really doesn't matter. And so I think that has gotten... um, uh, like the the tolerance that I have for that is like sort of being eroded away, but I think that's more to do with age. Now, the laziness thing, there is one thing that is, I I wouldn't even call it a, I think it is a pet peeve of mine and it's fucking elevators. People (laughs) who do not walk down elevators. You don't get phone signal when you're going into the underground. It is not hard to walk down. Walking up, I'll give you some grace. <laughs> you might not want to do that. You might be going to work. You might think, ah, if I walk up there, I'll get a sweat. I don't care how fat you are. You can walk down a fucking escalator. Yeah. And for some reason, people don't. They'll sit there and just sort of like, it's the most boring part of the day. <laughs> and it's like, if you add this up over the uh, the course of a year, over a lifetime, like, that's a couple of days you spent just like not even like doing anything at all, just standing there when you could move a little bit uh, faster down uh, a stairwell. And uh, sometimes you wouldn't miss a train. Now, I know this is quite specific as a London problem, but like the thing gets almost more irritating when I see it in uh, other countries where they don't at least have the... Um, uh, the polite system of standing on the right-hand side. Yeah. yeah. When people don't do that, I want to throw them <laughs> off the fucking escalator. Oh, you got the airport one as well? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, people don't worse. move in the airport people, That's fucking flat. It's not even incline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know the oh, thing you're talking ones. about. Yeah. The flat uh, one? And that's not even, like, uh, paraffin. No, it's not, never mind that not being an incline. It's not even going fast. If you were to stand still on one, you'd be walking quicker. Yeah. So it's like, it's, yeah, uh, that would be a big one for me. That's got nothing to do with brain cancer. That's yeah. just like, you do know your time on this earth is finite, right? And this is the most, the boring part of your day and you're spending more time on it. What you said there about time and like having time left perspective, is that something that's changed now in terms of, just the way you worded that, you're like, why would you want to stand still for three days when you add it up over the course of your life? Because some people are like, well, it's only three days. 
But has your perspective changed in terms of like time is very important? Um, daily, no. Uh, lifetime, yes, because um, due to chemotherapy and radiotherapy, I am now shooting blanks. So uh, if I was to have a child, I'd be adopting a child or, um, I don't know, rub some sperm off my brother. He's mm. got some very potent <laughs> sperm. The, um, uh, he, his wife got pregnant one day after they got married. And wow. that also includes the fact that on the day of his marriage, we deliberately went over to the, <laughs> to the window and started banging on us. So being like, uh, we were like, congratulations, congratulations. We were like playing music outside their hotel room and all sorts of That's shit. probably why she got pregnant. Uh, the next day, yeah, it definitely didn't happen on the first day. We made sure to ruin that for fun. Um, yeah, that's what you get for not being the best man of your brother's wedding. <laughs> I, I got you now, Jack. Um, but um, yeah, the... Yes, yeah, so day to day. No, I don't think. Again, I think it's down to the um, uh, lack of symptoms. Where it's like I still just live a fairly normal human life. So I still will like needlessly waste time in my own uh, sort of things. Where it's like, okay, come on, you are playing too many video games. You need to stop doing that. You're mm. watching too much television. I think like that's a difficult one to uh, to curb. Um, but I think the thing that I I dislike so much about the escalator is that like. Video games are very entertaining. Television can often be extremely entertaining. Going down the escalator, no. So yeah. um, that one is sort of the thing mm. that um, um, I sort of get upset about. And also, um, if like particularly for younger people, it's like if you can think of it like days of life, um, not you're thinking about it the wrong sort of way because you got to think about like the the younger years of your life are often the better years of your life because you have more energy and you're able to do more things. And like, I'm not saying that, that uh, elderly people can't find happiness, but you your options become uh, lessened. Mm -hmm. So often when it's like a particularly like a younger person who's on that, like going down the escalator, it's like, this is your best years and you're doing the worst possible mm -hmm. shit that you could do, whatever, whatever your age is. Even if you're 80, I still think you should be going down there but like yeah. if you're 20 oh, if someone's listening there's, to this on escalator get jog, yeah. jog yeah, down can, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a doctor in america who talks about this he's a, a fitness expert as well he he has a very s strange specific interesting way of almost programming and reverse engineering people's goals fitness program whatever they're doing whatever the goal is he often reverts backwards by asking well, what do you want to be able to do by the time you're 80 70 yeah and people might say well I'd like to lift my grandchild up and be able to carry some of the shopping from such and such. And okay, we'll do this, this, and this, and this to make sure that you're still doing this, this, and this by this certain date. But then he also builds in activities because he even did it himself. So one of the things that he enjoyed doing was... I he, think I know this doctor. He's, pro he's, pro he's quite famous. Yeah. He, 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 he really enjoys... Each their own. Sitting on trains and going through cities and stuff. It's got a, it's got a name for it. a lot of people have it as a hobby. Going on fancy trains. I, I think that's train spotter, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, train spotter. Train spotter. Oh, or is like it train spotter? No, they train look spotter's at way outside. But he yeah. enjoyed being on the trains, going through cities. Yeah. And him and his wife really enjoyed it. Like, oh, should we do more of this? And then he took a step back and thought, well, actually, that's something that I could definitely do when I'm seventy eight years old. But I couldn't walk through the cities or go exploring the cities by foot or climb that's these really stairs. Smart. So he said, let's do that now. And then the times where we aren't as able, we can go and ride the train, we can go and use the escalator, you can do, go and do those things when you don't have the capability to do so. So that I think that's an interesting perspective to have on it, especially when you're young and able and capable. Yeah, you're able to do it now. Uh, I would advise everybody to join uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for that reason. 
God, it's so much fun. Just roll around with sweaty men and get fucked up. God, yeah. But women as well. Like, that was yeah. one of the things that I, like, appreciated so much about it, where I was like, um... Because uh, jiu-jitsu is more attracted to people that aren't, like, uh, sort of as the you and me size. Um, and so when I went down, I'd be one of the largest... Um, I think I was the largest person in the classroom, on average, in most of the things. And then so... Um, but I, I wouldn't want to... It's a technical skill, so I mm-hmm. wouldn't want to learn by uh, just being strong because that means that I w- I'm putting a cap on myself. Where um, you see it all the time if you're into the UFC, where like the the lads who are often um, lighter weights, they are far more technical than the guys who are yeah. um, uh, heavyweights. So I think they speak about women being like that as well often because women don't rely on the strength as much in in, in jujitsu. They rely more on technique and skill. So yeah. that's why often women can be more technical and skillful in the sport because they're not reliant on just manhandling. Yeah, that's why I was so attracted to it. And like, uh, because one of the first training sessions that uh, we had, I was against this um, uh, this lady who's um, like half my weight. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and be technical about this. I'm not going to use my strength. And by the time I had gone through those thoughts, she was like, get me in a fucking armor. I was like, okay, fuck the technicality. Use your strength. Use your strength. And like, you know, she had already got me like absolutely rinsed. And it was like, okay, I love this sport. This is amazing. I want to be able to do that to like a gorilla. Yeah. So, how long have you been doing that for? I stopped because I had a, uh, I have a meniscus problem, and I, I constantly do think about like, okay, when is a good window when you can go back because yeah. you probably will hurt that knee again. But then, if I was to do it like right now, then um, that's ruined the, uh, the potential uh, run and cycle around Ireland. That's um, the tour de picnic. If certain things happen. Um, uh, like uh, I've been making this thing where uh, Billie Eilish is going to be playing at the Electric Picnic Music Festival and I was saying like hey if uh, Billie Eilish is alright with me making a video with her then I will run the entire uh, Tour de Picnic which is a double marathon so oh, wow. it's like I can't be messing around with BJJ mm-hmm. if that risks the idea of yeah. doing that because that's a lot of um, more meaningful stuff yeah. sacrifice but like I just mentioned now with the uh, the fact that the uh, the Dublin Marathon uh, I'm not really going to care about it too much seeing as how the World Cup final precedes mm-hmm. it on like you know 12 hours before it kicks off uh, after I do the Tour de Picnic I might start going back to um BJJ and uh, you know if my knees like banjacks for the thing it's like ah just do it do in, it, like yeah. doing on crutches yeah. so I was going to be hung over anyway mm-hmm. so it's not like I'm going to be caring about the uh the training times, but um, leading up to that, there was always sort of something where it's like, if you mess up your knee, you mess this up. So mm. it's like, you can't Yeah, you've got to be careful, especially with fighting. It's so different to any other sport as well. Like I got that calf injury doing my, mm. my tie, but you, you've you uh, recently engaged a little bit of I Muay Thai. I did one class and yeah. I'm just not going back. No. <laughs> I thought, but the same kind of thing, I do a lot of running and lifting. I've got marathons and things to do this year. And I just thought, hmm. No. Yeah. Uh, do you know when you've kind of got, like, as you, you've got a bigger goal, so it's like, put that one on the back burner. Am I, I might join next year. I think you, I the problem with little... you, you did one incorrect or wrong kick, technically. <laughs> really got a bit of a bruise. <laughs> like, nope, that's me done. No more bruises. Yeah. Well, like, you're like a plum, aren't you? I am like, I play peach. <laughs> bruise easily. Peach. Um, so what Wait, is... so you, uh, you got a kick in uh, jiu-jitsu or what? No, Muay Thai. Okay, yeah, but yeah. I kicked so weird that the whole side of my leg bruised and that it was hurting when I was running. And I was like, mm need to be able to run yeah but what you were talking about there obviously looking after your physical health and being injury free is obviously super important for your current goals at the moment do you or have you ever had experience with poor mental health or bad mental health where you have to be just as proactive looking after how you feel mentally 
Um, I mean, in some regards, like I have a real bad problem with uh, with sugar, and then I uh, often think that um, due to how much I run, it justifies mm. eating crap and ordering crap food from like takeaways. Um, I don't know if that is sort of the uh, fits your your question, but I think in terms of like, because it it certainly is a mental health issue. It's it's one that's I don't think is uh, spoken about enough. What, what, what's that? I would just think sort of that, like, um, because um, it's it's too sort of acceptable to constantly eating, like, um, s- stuff that is really unhealthy, mm-hmm. that it's, uh, like, uh, people uh, give it as a gift, and it's, it's, like, not really a good gift, really, because it's, mm-hmm. like, often people would be like, I don't want to eat a cake, but we have birthday cake, and it's, like, um, it's, like, alcohol as, an, as, a, as a comparison... As a comparison, as a comparison, <laughs> um, uh, I find that is like it leads to a lot of fun situations. If you were to talk to someone and be like, "Okay, uh, you are at the age of forty. I can get rid of every birthday cake you've ever eaten uh, over the course of your life. Every cake you've ever eaten. Will you do that?" I think a lot of people will be like, "Okay, would I?" go through like the happiness of the actual birthday uh, involving the cake would be taken away all the other things would be fine i think most people would be like yeah get rid of that fucking cake mm. give me them abs mm. whereas if you were to say like okay i'll give you the same offer for um uh booze at music festivals and gigs i think people would be more like oh yeah. i did have a lot more fun at mm. those gigs because of uh, being under the influence of uh, like a, a mm. sensible uh, amount of the influence of or fucking an unsensible yeah. amount. Yeah. It's, it's, like, a, oh. it's a gateway drug to lots of other things, isn't it? Uh, mm. Booze. Oh, God, mm. yeah. But uh, I, I still think that there's like a, a, a certain social element that is strongly associated with it where it like sort of uh, it gets rid of um, oh, I can't remember what the word is now where it's like the difference of you sort of uh, approaching someone and saying hello to them whereas uh, oh, it starts with D. I can't remember the name of the word. Um, it, it doesn't matter in this context, but like you don't get that from mm. eating a cake. Mm-hmm. So I think in that regards, it's something that's kind of overlooked. Uh, and I think that it's um, something that is uh, like a bit of a, a, a mental health problem that we have because it's, it's based off of how... Um, when we were hunter-gatherers, we have this strong association with sort of eating fruit and the taste of sugar and being like, oh, this is amazing. But like, it's not as uh, common and uh, available as it is now. And then we have the same problem with like uh, bread where it's like, oh, there's loads of calories in this. This tastes absolutely delicious. But it's like back in the old days, <laughs> back in the old days, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't readily available. Mm. So now we have this problem of overeating as opposed yeah. to uh, what our bodies are built up to, which is undereating, which is yeah. like, eat that shit right now. Fuck it, eat it. We're not going to have loads of nuts in like you know mm. in a month's time there's yeah. an ice age coming in like you know you that's what our bodies Rations, are drained yeah. for yeah, that's evolution isn't it because when we were course, in the canopies yeah. we had that tendency to have that sweet tooth because it was always the fear of under eating not overeating which is why we have well we have access to high powerful food yeah all all the time and it kind of, it, it kind of ties in with that whole theory of the way that people do omad diet because that essentially is a deprivation of food followed by gorging on food so i think there is a lot of correlation there especially if people have eating disorder tendency as well and i've definitely been one of those mm. those people before and we don't have the tendency to probably speak about it as openly as as we should do i think it's not just like the speaking i think it's just sort of like um overlooked as like sort of ah yeah we all do that therefore it's not like that much of a but problem. There's difference between ah we all do that and uh this is the issue because i've I, I, like um 
long story short, I've been there to a point where I nearly took my own life because of an eating disorder. I think it's just not understood when you're talking about this end of the spectrum, which is more than, oh, I just can't. I think there's a difference between what you deem as binge eating and overeating. Yeah. People overeat all the time. Yeah. I overeat a little bit at lunchtime when I had an apple pie thing as well, as opposed to being uncontrollable with those sugar cravings and eating and continuing just to gorge on stuff. Yeah, I like that's that's me, and it's uh, it's uh, slightly irritating because people are always like, "But you have such a healthy diet." It's like mm. I do, and then when I go, I go yeah. bad, and it would be like a twenty packets of cookies, and then it's like, uh, "Please don't pay attention to this recipe because it is fantastic." <laughs> but like, I would put like uh, butter on the cookies and like put them into the oven so that even if they're bought from like you know uh, Sainsbury's or whatever, then it's like they've been softened and like rebaked. So it's like, I would put like effort into making them as almost ridiculously yeah. calorific and even worse. And I'd almost have like a small, uh, an amount of joy in it being like, <laughs> add more cream, never mind milk. Like, you know, that's slowing me down. And so, um, again, it's, it's sort of like, it's almost like I've justified myself to do mm. that because it's like, Hey, you ran this much, you'd be fine. And it's like, that's it. It doesn't make it yeah, fine. It, it never does. But it, it's even from like a, a community sort of side of it that it's the same sort of thing. It's like, ah, uh, you know, everything in moderation, uh, including moderation. It's like, yeah, some things, but then also that's, there's some things where it's like, this doesn't add that sort of uh, joy and happiness that some kinds of um, uh, overeating food that uh, I think you can have. Like when you go to um, a, a diner with your friends and you have like um uh, uh, is Big Big Easy? Is that a, a franchise or is, is that, that a rapper? It's probably rapper. I don't think that's a UK one. Um, well, there's one in uh, Canary Wharf anyway, and they do like a, a, a huge, big like proportion portions of like uh, loads of meats and chicken wings, and like I think half of the fun of that is when you go and you're walking out with your friends, are like I feel like a blimp yeah. here. This is awful, yeah. but at the same time, it's kind of there's like yeah. fun to it, like. So there's exceptions to it, but I don't think anyone doing that with like uh, cookies is ever like you know. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad I ate ten biscuit packets. Mm. It's all, it's almost like non-paired bulimia, so where people use exercise to either excuse what they call that or, yeah. or afterwards. And I mean, as someone who's had an eating disorder, I still have those tendencies, and I don't, it's not like a light switch that you can turn on or off. It's something that can creep up on you. And I've had one of those occasions, and I'm I'm terrible at. Uh, what are they called like buffet style oh, yeah, places you're not good because with what happened yeah. when we were in America? Stop. We went to Disney, mate, and <sighs> we were only there. I think we got to the park about nine in the morning. It's supposed to be like an all day thing. By ten o'clock, I had to say to you, "We've got we need to go home." You can't, but you have that thing where you, because it's all out. I'll just get like one plate and get a few, and like I'm, I'm happy, I'm content, I'm full. Ben won't stop and he'll get like four plates. And then we'll walk around the park and then he's like, I think we need to leave because you couldn't walk. I was in so, so much pain because I put like, so much food himself. in my stomach. Yeah, I'm the same. Because uh, I think what it, for me, it comes with like, I'll have a buffet there and I'll be like, I'm going to try a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of that because it's like the curiosity. Yeah, but who the fuck has apple pie and custard for breakfast and stuff? You know, like the, the every bit of food that you could ever want. It's like, oh, I have to try that now as well. Oh, yep. there's another part of the buffet. Yeah. Can't not try that. I'm the exact mm. same. Yeah, 100%. Just speak about Let's the go topic. to a buffet together. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be a bad time. <laughs> speak about the topic of, I guess, overconsumption of food and how easily accessible it is nowadays and... Obviously, there is like an obesity crisis more so in the US and things like that. 
for people who are like gluttonous and just eat and eat and eat, I, I completely understand there's different levels to obesity and it's easier said than done and things like that. But for those people who I guess like eat so much, who then have heart attacks or have like cardiac problems or diabetes and will potentially die sooner than they should, does that annoy you? In any way, you might never been asked that question, but I was just oh, thinking no, not been at all. spoken about it. Because like I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people. If I like, if I really did hurt my leg, um, I suppose I could go back and I would be doing like uh, upper body uh, workouts. But like, if uh, if some sort of like if the brain tumor moved into the spine and I lost my ability to exercise, I would get big quick without mm. sort of some. Um, uh, form of uh, uh, dietary mental uh, correction because um, I'm able to sort of keep it at bay a bit. Um, well, keep it at bay like quite well, but that's due to how much exercise that uh, I I do. So if I had if I wasn't able to do that, I'd be easily one of those people. I was I was really fat when I was a kid. Um, there was like a, we had these um, in secondary school. We had six years in secondary school, and we did this um, this chat at the uh, um, uh, at the end of our graduation. And like uh, the way it was broken down was like um, certain uh, pupils were like, "Okay, you do a recap of first year, you do a recap of second year, mm. and uh, all the way through to um, sixth year." And like I know I'm be kind of like a, um, well known in certain circles now due to the, the social media platform, but like I wasn't like. Um, we, uh, it was an Irish school, so it's like 600 to, uh, to our year. So everybody would know. Oh, sorry, not 600. 600 in the whole school. 100 mm. people uh, to the uh, the actual year. And so everyone would know everybody. Um, certain people who were slightly more like liked than other people. But like it was, it was a really nice school to go up in. It wasn't really much of a popularity thing. So... Um, and the setup for that is that I got mentioned in every single one of the uh, year speeches because it was like, first year, we did this, we did that. Do you remember Ian Ward was fat? And it's like, second year, blah, 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 blah. Do you remember Ian really? Ward was fat? And then it like went all the way up to um, uh, like fourth year. It's like, fourth year, do you remember blah, 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 Ian Ward had lost weight. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, wow, so it, okay. it wasn't insulting. Yeah, it yeah. was, um, But it was still kind of funny because it was like, um, uh, no, we hadn't sat down and like done our... Mm. Uh, speeches with each other. This was the first time anyone was hearing anyone else's mm-hmm. speech, and so I was just laughing my head off at this. Whereas, like, I'm the most like <laughs> one of the staple uh, references People. for the difference in time yeah, over yeah. the the course of the uh, what we went through in school. It was like, do you remember Ian was a big fat bastard? <laughs> He's a prop for the rugby team. <laughs> now look at him. He's a second row. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just curious when we talk about it because it's obviously very hard for those people, and then. They want to lose weight, and I was just curious to ask it's, the question. It's, it's also been a, become a time now, though. It's never been easier to not like, to be above average. Like the American population, over fifty percent of them is obese. It's never been easier to be in the top, like mm. a, a elite or above average, because the bar is set so low. Yeah, I think also that like, the poverty, the the like the food prices in terms of fast food, it's like ninety nine p for a burger and then oh, yeah, to course. get a healthy meal it's like £1.50 and it's basically a whole societal issue that I've completely gone off topic there yeah. but I thought it was just important yeah what, one of the um... it's extremely important that was something that I like that uh, I, uh, coming back from the, uh, the like I reason was over in America and that was one of the things that I appreciated a lot was when it came back it was like I can go in and I can buy like broccoli mm-hmm. and uh, spuds and um, you know uh, carrots and the rest of it and uh, like if you look back at your uh, your shopping list or whatever you'll be like 
And why were those onions expensive? Oh, they're organic, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. In America, it ain't like that. It's like I bought um, a pack of onions and because I didn't pay much attention to uh, whether they were organic or not, uh, because in the UK, the price difference isn't huge in the difference. Um, but it was like $7 for a bag of onions. And it's like, are wow. these made of gold? Yeah. Is there like, is there <laughs> gold at the, at the core of them? Yeah. Like, you know, if I underlay the layer, is it like, you know, ah, look, Pandora's box. And like, you know, what did I open? But um, it's outrageous. Because mm. one thing that I I think, I don't know this for a uh, fact, but like, um, even though you we were um, so much farmland in America, um, it's only for like uh, soybeans, corn, which then turns into, um, uh, what is it called? The, the corn syrup? Uh, high fructose corn syrup and then the other one is wheat and it's like you can't really get a lot of good food from either of those things whereas I think in the UK the uh, the government actually pays the farmers to be like hey will you I'd like to think that the reason that they do that is to like hey will you cook more or um, uh, grow more vegetables and then we can have the price down we'll lower the price down so that the NHS isn't flooded with Mm. uh, now this is something that I made up in my head I'd like to think that that's what the government reasons for for helping funding the farmers is for but uh, it's something that I'm I'm never I hope I never forget to appreciate the fact that we can buy healthy food in uh, the UK and Ireland and I think in and around Europe as well Mm. where um, uh, it's not Mm-hmm. extremely expensive so like if you are from our continent if you're from Europe and you're listening right now and I, I mean this way more because I'm now looking at the mic as opposed to the, the hosts of the, <laughs> the thing of the podcast itself but you need to go in and you need to get your ass where you start buying the healthy food because I assure you if you go across the pond uh, you'll learn the hard way that not everywhere in the world never mind like sort of like you know Yemen where like you know this war and this breakdown this poverty but like just in the the, in the uh, first world it's not always as easy to get to food as what mm-hmm. we have access to. Yeah. In There's a lot, a lot of them, the, the fans like food deserts over there where you have to go hunting for anywhere that has decent, decent foods. But um, Even small things, like when we went to gas stations, petrol stations, uh, you couldn't get like a banana yeah. or like a, an apple, yeah. whereas you can do that in the UK and in, in, in Ireland. So or it's like you can get a MyProtein bar or in any station. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> How delicious. Actually, you can't get protein bars. Yeah, you in, can. You can't. In, in, in America, you don't often get that. Yeah. It's like, even if you're trying to like, sort of like, you know, oh, I'll get something that's like, you know, low in sugar. I'm feeling like a little bit of a snack. They don't have that. The closest mm-hmm. thing they have to something that is even minorly healthy would be like uh, uh, something that's like a, a beef jerky. But even yeah, at that, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, that's got like their version would be like shit loads of sugar in it, which kind of defeats the purpose of yeah. here's something that is like high in protein, but it doesn't have like a, mm-hmm. a massive amount of like poison. Put into it. <laughs> so you just kind of like go hungry. Learn how, like, read a book about fasting. <laughs> it's the best you got in America. Do you have a bucket list? Um, yeah, but it's all like, uh, it. it's kind of all sort of already been like put out there. So like my bucket list is to like do the, the European, uh, the Euro food. I don't, did I talk to you about the Euro uh, so I don't think I did. Um, I, I, I spout this shite so much that I forget, <laughs> <laughs> I forget who I've spouted it to. Um, so, um, Doing the cycle, uh, well, hopefully, if we get the the funding in time, uh, doing the cycle and the uh, run around um, the coastline of Ireland. But uh, something that I really want to plan for for I think uh, twenty twenty five 
um, and then do that for the whole year. So like start on January 1st, finish on uh, December 31st is uh, there's 52 uh, countries and territories in uh, the continent of Europe. There's 52 months in a year, sorry, weeks in a year. And uh, a double marathon is exactly 52 uh, miles. So I want to do uh, a double marathon in each country and territory over the course of a, a year. Um, wow. So that will be something that is 100% on uh, on my bucket list. Same concept, uh, I'll, I'll take a year off and then start again 1st to 31st. Uh, do the same thing in America because same concept but 50 states and then we'll add Mexico and uh, Canada to sort of make up the difference which is unfair on, in, in Mexico and Canada where it's like hang on like they get 50 <laughs> weeks we get one each come on but um, yeah and then after that again take a long break uh, live somewhere that's not um, you know a tour bus because that's where we're going to have to live mm -hmm. for a year uh, and then it's tried to circumnavigate the entire world with um using manpower only so rowing boats maybe swim the channel um cycle um walk or run over certain um mountainous wow. areas so wow, is that, that's is that all for the charity that you're raising money for uh at the moment i i wouldn't say i will be uh, absolutely consistent with the same charity throughout because i actually want to start what? okay sorry let me rephrase that is that for to raise funds for for charities oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because what i'm getting at is is that that is obviously very altruistic venture is there anything selfishly that you have got in terms of bucket list that you want to tick off well that's the thing i would not think that it is um uh, like a selfish act to do because it's something that i've always wanted to do like i really like maps i've a little map since i was a child and i remember from a very early age i was looking at it and being like okay so if someone can swim the channel then that means it eh, 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 and then like you know yeah. russia china uh india uh, like all the way down to like thailand and it's like okay what's indonesia like and then sort of being like you could swim that you could like row that and blah 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 blah. it's like jesus you could get to australia by manpower it'd be hard to how would you like could you get anywhere else and then it's like okay well oh, wow, the bearing straight and oh, you could get to like the southern part of chile mm -hmm. from uh ireland if you wanted to and then it's like oh i wonder could you get back to ireland if you did that and i was like okay well, well Going in, it's like, hmm, that'd be a tricky one. How would you get to Greenland to Iceland? And how would you get from Iceland to mm -hmm. uh, Ireland? And then it was like, uh, I think I heard of someone doing a rowing, um, rowing from like across the Atlantic. It's like, okay, so it's completely possible. Yeah. And then so it was always something that I'm, I never really um, sat down properly and was like, I am going to do this. But like, I definitely played with it in my mind because I read lots of books about like, um, uh, the the long way back, I can't remember what the names of the books were now, but um, loads of books to do with like human beings traveling very large uh, distances uh, or cycling certain ways or uh, or getting on a bicycle and all this sort of thing. So like it was in my mind a lot, and then due to me getting cancer and all this sort of thing, where it's like physical tasks in order to raise money for charity and you know uh, build a channel that's based off of that. It was like well, now you have the opportunity. Yeah. You can yeah. do this now. There is a possibility. There is um, uh, an opportunity. And that was, um, that's part of what the Euro 52 uh, challenge is about. Same thing with the America thing. It's not so much of the challenges within itself. It's also testing how, like, what's it like to be in a year in an RV where mm -hmm. you, maybe it would develop into a form of stability because, the RV would be uh, a home, 
um, and the lack of stability. I don't know. I might find a way to do that while traveling because I mean, like um, some people do that. Some people that's their their life is uh, traveling around. And they still have the same sort of level of mm-hmm. uh, stability. Um, uh, one of my best friends. Um, um, Johnny, he won't mind me naming him. Um, he, he actually lives in uh, Manchester. Funny enough, uh, his fiance's name is Lucy, Lucy Davis. So like, really? Yeah, yeah, it's my yeah. old name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well remembered. Uh, no, I keep forgetting I've got a new name. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, when they were inviting me onto the podcast, it was like, oh, Lucy's there. It's like, Lucy? You never told me she's like working in my protein. It was, it was like, ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. There's another wow. human being with a similar name. And um, yeah, so uh, uh, it, he uh, still kind of works um, in his, his family's circus but like he used to be far more active on it so like that that's the circus life they don't have a home they literally just constantly yeah, are around. moving around so like it never they never settle down anywhere longer than uh, a couple of days so it's like if um, if people can do that then it's like it wouldn't be what I'm used to but maybe I can turn it into a mental sort of thing where it's like that RV is, is my home mm-hmm. and like turn it into a sort of ponzi thing. I was like, the world is my home. I'm a child of the world. Um, so, yeah. incredible. Yeah, it will be. It, it will be amazing, incredible. yeah. And so... Um, yeah, they're just testers for what the ultimate uh, thing is. And then I don't know what the fuck I'll do after that. I'll be like, shit, well... Will I climb Everest? No, I've seen the Sherpa film. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Maybe I'll jump down to the bottom of the... Uh, the like, the... Uh, what is it called? The the Matriel Trench, mm-hmm. the, the Matriel Trench. It's like no, I I know about the submarines. I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah, either. So like, yeah. I don't know. I'll come up with something. Do something. I'll talk to Elon Musk and be like, go on, send me to Mars. <laughs> mac, mac, mac. I I find the, the, the for that reason the concept of time so interesting because I think one of my biggest fears is about being on my deathbed and thinking, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that. And I think that's one of the stories you often hear from people who are sorrowful and resentful of the fact that they haven't lived a fulfilled life that they wanted to. I was having a conversation with Cal before. I've got this little clock on my desk and I often use it for setting chunks of time and task completion. And often what I can do is I can turn it down in terms of how much time I've got and I'll still get the task done that I wanted to get done. Mm. I think that can often be the case in a lot of people's lives that they could get a lot more done if they were mindful of time. Yeah. Do you think that's something that's occurred with you now in terms of these ventures and wanting to do things because you're now more aware of the amount of time that you may have? In some regards, yeah. Like, I think I have learned uh, that, uh, like, from uh, working with businesses where it's like, they need to go through a lot more red tape. Uh, So if you're planning on something in the future, you need to start planning it a lot earlier. Because I used to always think, like, you know, why does it take six months to do these sort of yeah. uh, things? And now that I'm actually doing it, you start to realize that like, it's not just about like, you know, hello, my protein. Uh, can you give me loads of money? You got loads of money. Cool. Thank you very much. Goodbye. It's like, you know, no, that person needs to talk to that person. Mm-hmm. That person needs to talk to the uh, the media department. That person needs to talk about the, uh, the financial department. It's like, okay, well, like if we put this much money in, uh, how much advertisements are we going to have? How much uh, airtime are we going to get? Okay, we'll get this much. Okay, well, previously sales increased this much from get. So like, there's a lot of meetings that need to go on before before we can mm. uh, even get someone to be like, okay, yeah, we can give this much amount of money. This is uh, um, what that can um, uh, equate to. And then, of course, that means you have to go off to somewhere else to try and so like there's so much stuff that always needs to go through. And it's same thing where it's like, uh, okay, we're going to be traveling through multiple countries. Uh, some of them uh, are probably going to be problem areas in terms of um, getting visas for. Like, obviously, there's a, a war going on in Ukraine and uh, Russia at the moment. So, 
they are still part of the uh, continent of Europe just because there's a war going on there doesn't mean that they somehow haven't become a part of the continent mm-hmm. of Europe yeah, yeah. so the 52 is going to have to um, uh, involve that in some regards doesn't look like it's calming down at the moment so um, I'll have to contact both of those uh, embassies and be like hey look if I enter one are you going to have a real hard time with me entering another one I'm not going to be crossing the Russian Ukraine border mm-hmm. I reckon that's like you know no, I don't need to explain yeah. that but like you know even going around the long way um uh, I noticed from my my dad was uh, uh he, he used to be uh, uh basically a butter salesman. <laughs> His job was to go internationally to uh, different countries and help set up uh, Kerrygold. So um, at one point he went over to uh, Iran and then uh, I think it was like four and four years and eight months later he went over and he was doing something in America um, which he used to live in. I Like when I was a little kid I had a little American accent uh-huh. and um, he was refused at the border because um, they're a no-go area. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, like, once you have certain stamps on your passport, it then prevents you from getting into oh, other okay. places. It's really annoying. It, make, it makes sense. Mm. It's like it's for to prevent spies. Yeah. But um, in another way, it, I don't think it makes much sense because, like, if you're an international spy, I think you can get a new fucking passport. Mm. It's not going to be like, it's not that hard. To oh, get. oh, wow. Do you need that much butter? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you've never tried Kerrygold butter, the Irish cream. Oh, it is actually like, funny enough, my dad's a bloody cheapskate though. He doesn't buy Kerrygold. Everyone else in the house buys it more. <laughs> yeah. So that would be one of the tricky uh, elements. But most of it would be, uh, no, I think that would be the only sort of border crossing issues. Whereas the uh, America, uh, the American, uh, Canada, Mexico one, I don't think there'd be much problems with getting across the borders there. Uh, maybe getting from Mexico to the UK or to US, I've heard the border crossing there is rather tricky. But um, the uh, crossing the whole um, of the world, that would be very hard to do that in terms of uh, passports because in order to get to Thailand, um, we either go a long way through Russia, which I don't want to do, not because like, ah, Russia, blah, 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 but because in this plan, I'd be going through Russia anyway because I'd be going up through Serbia. So I wouldn't want to spend like crossing the whole of the top of Russia in order to sort of get around um, Iran. um, And there was, a, I think, Syria. There's a couple of like dodgy places that you don't really want to go through because it's like I could get in a lot of trouble for just being there like I don't like um so yeah it's a, it's a tricky one but I mean if it wasn't tricky it wouldn't be worth mm-hmm. doing so yeah absolutely we actually had someone on the podcast who did a marathon in every country so you can speak to him in terms oh, yeah, of yeah, 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 you're telling me yeah logistics that logistically the whole thing is crazy but I think what a great thing to set I set yourself to do. I, I imagine the logistics fantastic. of getting it done in every country is much harder than actually doing the marathons itself. Yeah, and yeah. the amount of money it costs. But yeah, what a way to see the world. Yeah. Uh, I think we could probably speak to you all day, but in carrying this conversation and, and going on. Um, you what, need to give me his number because yeah. I yeah. imagine yeah. I'd be able to. Yeah, he's, Nick's, Nick's great as well, so yeah. we can definitely hook you guys yeah, up. I'd certainly be able to like get a lot of like very yes. important information. Oh yeah, you would. He would make super, a good podcast. Nice. It doesn't matter; it'd be boring as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, cool." But then together, it's like, "Okay, so which one did you contact Logistics, first? Please. What's their number? What's that account?" Like, you well, know, Nick, Nick had to, did he go in South Africa where he just ran a marathon around the car park because wild dogs were chasing no, him? No, that what? Where was that cow? 
Marshall yeah, Islands. Islands. <laughs> Crazy stories, mate. Crazy yeah, we'll stories. Um, one of the things I just want to finish on, and I think this will be very relevant because I think at any point in someone's life who's listening will be contemplating or have the news of death within within their family or friends. How can you be at peace with death? Um, I think you're asking the wrong person because my perception of death is just that there's um, nothing there. So because that's what my belief is, I think for someone who would be uh, religious or not religious, but believe in an afterlife, um, their context of death would be completely different to mine. Mm -hmm. So I, unfortunately, I don't have advice to... Uh, to give them become an atheist believe in nothing there you <laughs> go there's my advice <laughs> one of the pieces that I just want to finish on then and, and Carl passed me this over before and I think it's a, a nice quote to finish on it's a person who has an 85% chance of dying is 100% alive now our lives are valuable because they aren't valuable because they have a guarantee that we're going to be here in a certain amount of time our lives are valuable because we are here now okay. yeah I, w I would agree with that, that without death, it sort of takes away a lot of the mm. the meaning of life. Yeah, if you want to simplify that, imagine how boring a video game gets if you've set your health infinite. to un in yeah. invincible. It's like when you put that cheat in The Sims and you just have an infinite amount of money, you can build whatever you want. That's I kind of like that, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sometimes you just want to buy Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't like work <laughs> the same way with money, does it? Like <laughs> For people who are listening or watching... Rosebud. That was the code. That was it. Yeah. Rosebud, yeah. And then you could Grab. build... Grab! Grab as you've been doing. Yeah. I mean, then you could build, like, walls and put sofas around and kill people on it, but that's another thing. Oh, story. yeah. And you, take yeah. The, uh, you take the panel out of the, the, the swimming pool yeah. and you're trying to build. Yeah. He's yeah. out to say that for another podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, where can people find more of you? Obviously, the goal, everyone who's listening, to follow. So where can people find the best of you uh just as i'm trying to advertise on my forehead just the king of chemo and um yep yeah, all, all the i made the mistake of having multiple usernames because i was like trying to be creative and then the first time i was on a podcast it was like where can people find you it's like oh bollocks it's like, <laughs> you okay. just need one funny platform <laughs> this one no so all the platforms are the same the king came out whether you're uh, into your tiktok or your instagram or uh your youtube all the same twitch them all amazing well you are a breath of fresh air and it's been honestly such a wonderful conversation really really happy to yeah. have you on very inspiring to meet you mate very uh well, thanks it's very great, much it's great for to be a, a part of your company and it's the positive enthusiasm that you have for life and the great things that you're doing as a as a beacon of light for other people as well mm -hmm. thanks a lot man i wish i could actually be there to like see you do this unfortunately i'm going to be in in ireland for it, but i really do actually want to start training some um farmers carries some farmers carries yeah, yeah. Get it in. We had a little double before, but yeah, I think it's good to get in anyone's training. Yeah, yeah. And also, a big thank you to today's sponsored. Yeah, yeah. sponsors, my protein. My I would, protein, uh, the best I would, of the best. I would tend to use code my coach Benji. Don't worry about using Ian's or Lucy's code. It's uh, King okay. fifty. <laughs> yeah, so many codes. But everyone who is watching, listening, we will leave the link. Sorry, in the description to shop. Oh yeah, link in the description shop, and also all your socials. Link everything. King Chemo, give a follow. And we appreciate you watching, listening, wherever you are in the world. Make sure you tag us in the post, share. The more you share the podcast, the better guests we get yeah. on the podcast, which yeah, is the main exactly. thing. Uh, but yeah, we How appreciate could you it. get a better cast? <gasps> oh. Exactly. Yeah, we appreciate you so much. Thank you. Here Thanks, he is, sir. Emperor of Hollywood. <laughs> Brad Pitt. <laughs> awesome. I was. I feel like I could have gone yeah, on, but I was mean. like aware of the time. Yeah, I was 